But anyway, the last few weeks, um, well, when I was here last, and actually, I, I need to do this. I was thinking about it all morning. I need to thank Ben. I need to uh, thank Rob, and I need to thank Dion uh, for for speaking. I, I love the ability that we have to be able to go away and to ask, you know, people within the house to to step up. You've got to understand these people aren't seasoned preachers. They don't get up and preach, you know, every week. They might preach once or twice a year. You know what I mean? This is not what they do for work. And so they muster all the courage they get, everything God's been speaking to them, and they come in front of you guys knowing that you're not going to judge them, that you're going to love them, and you're going to look at them thinking, wow, give me more of what you're sharing. And they just lay it out on the table. Meanwhile, we're holidaying you know, next to the water, doing all that sort of stuff. So I'm extremely thankful. So thanks, Ben. Thanks, Dion. And Rob, I know you, he's got Anna's birthday, and they're holidaying out at Geelong in the sunshine. <laughs> That's what happens when you're not at church, see? Anyway... Um, I want to thank him as well for being able to step up and do that. Is that right? It's only sunny on a Sunday when you're not at church if you're the pastor. No, I'm joking. <laughs> We've been talking about, I've been talking about um, that whole pruning process, that, that the idea that God is actually preparing us to be a part of his kingdom. And, and I, I love the fact that Ben, in a sense, expanded on that, on the freedom that he's given us. You know, Rob went even further and shared some of his, his journey in that whole side of forgiveness because he's, he wants to become a fuller person, someone that can represent the, the kingdom of God even better. Dion was explaining the love of God and in different aspects of his life how that love becomes more and more real and it causes him to step out. God is preparing us for something all the time. He's preparing us to be a part of his family, a living part of his family, an active part of his family. That's what he does. That's, that's who he is. He's trying to make us more and more, over and over again, more into the image of his son. You know, we're transformed, the Bible says, into his likeness. You know, and I know some of you are thinking about the person that you're sitting next to, the person that you're holding their hand, and you're thinking, well, they're not much in the likeness of Christ. But I, I'm letting you know that that person's looking back at you thinking, wow, you're so like Jesus. You know, yeah, every, every one of you is thinking, oh, I was that other person. <laughs> but no one thinks that, do they? Oh, you, you can't be quiet, by the way. Church really can't be quiet. It's really disappointing when church is quiet. You ever gone to a family gathering, a lunch or something, when no one speaks around the table? How pitiful is that? Yeah? Like, hello, talk. You should be saying, oh, wow, that was a great word. I can't believe he said that. We'll have to speak to him later. You know, whatever it is. You know, enjoy family. Learn to enjoy family. Yeah, learn to enjoy what God has in store for you. So here we are. We're being transformed more into his likeness. And I want to say this, that everything that God has in store for us, everything that he desires for us, is birthed and fueled out of love because he's love. Is that okay? So I, I shared three, four weeks ago now that we're all on the same journey, that each and every one of us are on the same journey, that we all come from the same address. I went as far as to say that we actually experience different things, you know, we have different emotions, um, you know, while we're on this journey, but the reality is that we're on the same journey because he's making each and every one of us into the image of his son Jesus, yeah? So we are on the same journey, believe it or not, you know, regardless of how great your life is or or, or, or the other side. But I've, here's the one thing that I'm starting to learn at my ripe old age of enjoying cherry ripes, is that this journey of faith in the family of God, it's, it's not always easy. 
<laughs> like it's just not always easy. You know, it should be, like really it should be, or at least we think it should be, but it's not just a bit of roses. Can you, anyone else sort of just for yourselves testify to that? Yeah? It's just not always easy. It just doesn't pan out always. And, and, and I guess in that thought of what we've been talking about is that, you know, some of that God's a part of in the sense that he comes and he starts pruning away some of us, you know, in areas where we produce fruit, good things, so we can produce more fruit. And then he cuts away areas that are dead. And so there's, there's that pain that goes along with this journey. But he does it so that we can be more like his son, Jesus. So here's one of the thoughts that I want to share. Who here would consider themselves a gardener, by the way? Any, anyone here consider themselves a gardener? We've got one hand, two hands, three hands, four. Awesome. Um, can you guys come to my place? Out? No. Um, so for those of you that are gardeners, here's a really simple question because I... I I've shared a little bit on it, but it, it, this, is, this is revelation. Yeah? This is like flat-out revelation. When you prune and cut a tree or a plant, yeah, you ready for it? It ends up smaller. <laughs> hey? Did you get that? It ends... It, wait, wait. Always ends up smaller. It is... A physical impossibility for it to be bigger than when you started. Did you know that? It's not possible for that, that, that plant, that tree, to be bigger than when you started. Certainly it'll end up bigger. It'll produce more fruit. I guess that's the plan that God has for us in our lives. But, but when we prune it, it, it actually ends up smaller than when we started. So I, I need you just to tuck that away for a minute. Is that all right? Because it's really important. And I want to establish another thought as we're running, and, and, and that's that I believe that we've taken God's language in part, yeah, but we've given the world, we've given it, his language, some of the world's meaning, all right? It's just a thought, I just want to put it out there, that we've taken God's language and we've applied the world's meaning to some of his language, and I'm going to unpack that, because... I believe God wants to give us something. He's inviting us into a space so, again, we can operate and be more like his son, Jesus. So when people encounter us, not just in the four walls of the church, yeah, but when they encounter us outside of the peach carpet, yeah, when they encounter us out there where, oh, the sun's shining, there is a God. Right? When they encounter us outside, they realise that we're like Jesus. So he's constantly doing stuff yeah, for us and in us. So here's another thing I've learned. The longer I walk with Jesus, I've learned that we have an enemy. And his name is Satan. It's Lucifer. It's the devil, whatever you want to call him. And what he wants is he wants to take from us this wonderful gift that we've been so freely given. Is that fair for those of us that consider ourselves Christians? If you're a young Christian and you don't know there's an enemy, I'll put it out there right now, there's an enemy and he wants to rob you of your faith. And if you don't know that, come and see me after the service and we can unpack that for you. Is that all right? But John 10.10, 10, the first part of John 10.10 10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Only. He only comes to steal and kill and destroy. So what that means is, as we walk this life out together, this journey that we're all on, the same journey that we're all on as God makes us more and more like his son Jesus, the enemy wants to rob you and I of our peace. Wants to rob it. Wants to take it. He wants to take away the ability that we have to forgive. 
Yeah? He wants to rob that generous heart. He wants to take that away so that you're not generous, so you become stingy and Scrooge-like. Yeah? Um, he doesn't want you to be kind. He doesn't want you to be supernatural. He doesn't want you to lay hands on the sick. He doesn't want you to share a prophetic word. He doesn't want you to get a word of knowledge and share it to breathe life. He doesn't want, to, doesn't want you to do that. He doesn't want you to love the person that's sitting behind you or in front of you or beside you. He doesn't want that because he's only come to kill and to steal and to destroy. In fact, he doesn't want you to have faith. He doesn't want you to know God and he doesn't want you to know whose you are, and therefore who you are in him. He doesn't want you to know that, yeah? So I'm learning and I'm growing just like you, that God's making, more, making me more like his son, and sometimes it hurts, but in the same token, I have an enemy that's trying to stop the process all at the same time, Yeah? And I guess that's why what, what God gives us through his Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, this, our salvation, he invites us into his family. You know, that's all so that we can be a blessing to each other and a blessing to him so that we can glorify him. He's got to give us that stuff, you know. It'd be like going to play a game of cricket without a cricket bat. It's a little bit, I can't do it. I can stand there and look like I'm batting, but unless they're going to bowl an air ball, I'm not going to be able to hit a four or a six or anything. Yeah? God equips us so that we can live the life that he's destined for us. Is that all right? So we're a holy nation. We're God's special possession, a holy priesthood. And we're destined to be different, to live different, to be sons and daughters of the king. Here's another thing I've learned. That God's smart. Yeah? Did you realize this? He's not a dummy. He doesn't make mistakes. Like, he's actually intelligent, brilliantly intelligent. He's a genius. And, and if you think about it, he knows everything about everything. He knows the beginning and end all at the same time and the stuff in between. Even before we've decided and he gives us a free will choice, he already knows. You've got to love that about God. So he's given us all of these gifts. He's given us his son. He's given us the Holy Spirit. He's made it possible to walk out this faith walk. But then he gives us something else. <laughs> something else to, to protect us. Do you want to know what that is? No one wants to know? Do you want to know what that is? Good, I'm going to share it later. So <laughs> I will, I'll get to that soon. <laughs> I'm going to share it later. I, I just need you to know that he's given us everything that we need, but there's something that sometimes we miss. And I want to bring to light some of that, yeah? So if you and I can understand right now, Ephesians 6.12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces in heavenly realms or places, depending on your version of the Bible. Yeah? We need to understand our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not, in other words, our struggle is not, right, it's not against the things that we think it is. Our struggle, the things that come against us, yeah, you, you can't determine them the way that you determine everything else in life. See, we're God's children. 
Yeah? We're seated in heavenly places. We're not citizens of earth. In fact, we're citizens of heaven. The King James would say that we're aliens here. We're sojourners. We're passing through. Yeah. yeah. So we need to understand... You and I need to understand as Christians what will come against us in this journey, but we also need to understand how we're going to confront those things when they come. And we can't do that the way that we've done everything else in this life because we're his children. We're supposed to be different, remember? Yeah, because he's different. That's why Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So why is this important for our, our walk? It's a really good question, I think. I, I love that feedback, right? That's great. That $5 was well spent. Thank you. I've been pondering some... No, that, I'm, I'm now capped money-wise. <laughs> My wife doesn't give me enough. That's true. She just sort of feeds it out little by little. Anyway, I've been pondering some scripture, and I think that there's some really great truths. In fact, I'm going to go as far as to say some revelation. Um, that will help us on the journey. And I'm going to share some stuff. And I, I shared earlier that there's some language that God uses that I believe we've put some worldly context to, some worldly meaning to. So I'm going to share some passages of Scripture. But I need to say from the outset, it's not what you think up front. Okay? It's not what you think up front. It's about knowing the enemy's tactics, and it isn't about knowing what's in our hands. But it's not the first thought that we have. So one of the passages I've been pondering on is the story of David and Goliath. Yeah? So I think most, most people know the story of David and Goliath. Is that all right? Yeah? Yes? No? David, little kid, Goliath, giant, not very good looking, you know, because he wasn't Italian. He was a Philistine. You know, he was mocking, you know, the children of God just taunting them constantly over and over. Most of us know the story. I want to pick up from verse 32. And so David hears Goliath when he goes out to visit his brothers and he hears Goliath taunting the children of Israel and all of a sudden he just speaks up. You know, he, he's, he's about to make a stand. And verse 32 to 40 reads, David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You're not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. And he has been a warrior from his youth. I want to skip 34. And I'm going to jump, sorry, Baz, I'm going to jump down to, um, to right at the end of 37. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. We've got to capture this, right? Verse 38. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put on a coat of armour on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. And then it tells you that he took his staff, he went and picked five smooth stones and he went and did the deed and he killed Goliath, yeah? Now here's what the Lord's been speaking to me about. And this is why, and I want to suggest that it's really important for us. So the giant's been ridiculing, he's taunting, he's disrespecting the Lord. And sometimes we have giants in our lives that do that to us, yeah? In relation to our faith, relation to our schooling, our work, our value, to our, you know, in relation to the relationships that we have with people, if we're good enough, not good enough, our parents. We have giants that are forever, forever taunting and disrespecting us, smack in the face of the Lord, yeah? Constantly. And, 
And he's, King Saul, he tries to put his armour on this kid David, but it just doesn't fit. It's too big. The thing's just too big. And it's heavy. And in fact, it probably David's a, a young kid. It would have slowed him down. It, and I imagine it would have been a burden. You know, the yoke would have been really, would have been heavy, too much for him to carry. So here's another million dollar question for you. Why didn't it fit? Because it did, because it, yeah, true, it was too big. He was a boy. But here's what I want to suggest, yeah? The passage of scripture I didn't read was 34 to 37, and I'll just read it now quickly. David said to Saul, your servant's been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servants killed both the lion and the bear. The uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God. See, what we need to see in this passage, it's not what's happening in the physical. It's, what ha- it's what's actually happening in the spiritual, yeah? David was small because he was a child, you know, a kid, yeah? wasn't an adult. He was smaller than the armour. But why was he small? Was it just his age? I want to move from the physical. You've got to, you have to follow me in this, yeah? We have to move from what we're reading physically to see what God's doing spiritually, all right? I want to suggest that the picture of David being small and the armour not fitting is a picture for us in our spirit, yeah? See, when, while David was tending his father's sheep, when he was fighting the lion, when he was fighting the bear, when he was alone out there, this is what I'm suggesting happened. God was pruning him. God was cutting him. God was moulding him, yeah? What did I say before? When you prune and cut something, it always always ends up what? Smaller. Thank you, Ross. Smaller. Always ends up smaller. See, the armour didn't fit David because David was a man after God's heart. Yeah? Stop looking at the physical. Start seeing what God's trying to show us spiritually, right? The armour didn't fit because David was a man after God's heart. He'd allowed Father to prune him and prepare him. So Saul's armour was never going to fit David. It was never going to fit. David could have been 80 and 7 foot tall, but because he was a man after God's heart that allowed God to prune him and to cut him in the spirit, Saul's armour and Saul's idea of how to fight the Philistine was never going to fit David, ever, ever. Not just because Saul was bigger, but Saul's armour represents man's way of fighting, yeah? Man's way of doing battle. Yet David was pruned and cut. He was God's man. And I want to say this for you and I in this place today, especially because we're coming to an end of a year and, and, and some of us need that little bit of refreshing as we move into to 2018. But man's armour is never going to fit you, O oh man and woman of God. The way that you face your giants is never going to be the way that you think or the way that the world tells you to face your giants. Ever. Because it's not going to fit. Ephesians 6.12, remember, for our struggles not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual... See, the truth is David had tried... If he had tried to face the giant, right? if he had tried to face the giant in Saul's armour, David would have been killed. He would have been ripped to shreds. The Philistine would have grabbed one hand and the other hand and probably would have pulled his arm straight out of his socket. 
You've got to get the picture. When we try to fight our giants, man's way, we're going to lose. We're flat out going to lose. And in fact, Saul's armour is so heavy. How many people in their Christian walk have ever felt tired and weary? Oh, I can't go on. This is, you know why? Because we're trying to do things man's way. We've forgotten that it's not what God has planned for us. That armour was never made for us. It wasn't. We've been pruned. We've been cut. We've been transformed into the image of Jesus with ever-increasing glory. And then we put on man's wisdom to fight the battles that come at us. Man, we're missing something, aren't we? How many of us have tried to face our giants man's way? How many of us? have tried to face our giants wearing man's armour, Saul's armour, an armour that will never fit a child of God, an armour that will never fit no matter how much you try, no matter how often you practice, it will never be comfortable, it will always slow you down, it will always be too heavy, it will never be right, ever. And it works for the person next to you, works for the person in your workplace, works for the person that you know, your family member, but they're not a child of God. It's going to work for them. It's not going to work for you. Something God has got something else for us. See, for me, I look at some of this stuff and I can see how the enemy's worked on us. You know, how he's got our thinking upside down. And, and, and back to front, because he's taken God's language and, he's, and, and now we apply the world's meaning to God's language. You know, because when we think of armour, I was talking about this with Mel, when we think of armour, I think of fighting. I don't know about any of you, but I, just, I see fight. I see brave heart, you know? Like, I, I see, um, what is it, the Knights of the Round Table. I see Transformers. You know, like, I, I see stuff like that for battle, armour. But when God's talking about armour, when, when, when he starts to bring stuff out, it's not the way that we see it. It's not the way that we think about it. See, the enemy has been so cunning to take God's language and give it a world's meaning. And I'll explain it like this. So you've got to understand that we've got the mind of Christ, and I think all of you are, are happy with that. 1 Corinthians 2.16 for who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. So here we are. We've got, to, we've got to start to think like Father God thinks. He's transforming us into the image of his Son. And, and we know from Isaiah that, that our thoughts are nothing like his thoughts. Nothing. So I love how our Father has worked everything out. He knows the beginning and end all at the same time. He knows that Saul's armour is not going to fit us. You've got you to see what's happening in the spirit. He knows it's not going to fit us. It's not going to work for us. So then he does what only Father God can because everything he does is fueled and birthed out of love. He gives some more, yeah? He gives us some more. This time he gives us something that will only fit children of God. Now he gives us something that will only fit those that have been pruned, that have been cut, that have been moulded, that are small, yeah? Ephesians 6.13, therefore put on the full armour of God. 
Not Saul's armour, the full armour of God. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Segway, Thursday night, 7.30 to 8.30. We have a prayer meeting in that room on the other side of the bricks. Come and join us. Pray with us. Pray on all occasions. Amen. Now, Knowing that Father God wants us to be part of his kingdom, knowing that there's an enemy that wants to rob us and make sure that we don't fulfill our destiny, knowing that man's ways aren't going to work, knowing that Saul's armour won't fit us and do the job that it was made to do the way it is for man, he gives us a different armour, an armour that only fits those that are born again. And so if you and I are going to be alive and active, a part of his kingdom, this is what we need to wear. We have to wear this armour. <laughs> but here's another issue. When we think like he thinks, his armour works different. It doesn't work like Saul's armour because it's not man's armour. It's God's armour. And I know I'm throwing a lot of stuff out there and there's probably 50, 50 messages, but I, I need you to, to, to hold on to this because I said from the beginning that the enemy has been so cunning in trying to rob us of our destiny that he's taking the language of God and now here we are in 2017 in the Western world and we place the world's meaning on God's language. And so he gives us, God gives us armour and I guarantee you that 95% of us here, when we think about God's armour, we think about battle, we think about ready to fight, we think about we're going to go for it, we're going to rip the line apart, we're going we're to do this thing. Too many Christians are trying to wear daddy's armour, thinking that it works like Saul's armour, yeah? It doesn't, it doesn't, it's different. Everything about Father God is birthed and fueled in love. So how does it work different to Saul's armour? Great question. Some of you might be thinking, but pastor, a fight's a fight. A battle's a battle. It's all the same. Well, is it? <laughs> Let's, we've got no time, so I just want to look at a couple because I, I just need you to think. I just need you to move because I know what God has for us, the destiny that he has in store for us, each and every one of us, Yeah. Ephesians 6.17 says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the Word of God, place that here. When we think of the sword of the Spirit, what pictures conjure up in your head? When I say sword, what do you think of? Sword. I think of Optimus Prime. You know, I can't help it. I'm a child. I like some of those movies. You know, I see like slashing and cutting and beheading, you know, and blood splattering. Psh! You know, that's what I see when I'm thinking sword. I'm thinking I'm going to finish this enemy. You know those movies where they do it well and they do the final cut, the enemy falls and they step on the enemy and they've got the sword and they go ram and it looks so masculine and manly and tough. That's what I think. I know none of you think that. When you, when you think sword, you think about etch-a-sketch and sewing and, and quilting. I know you think about those things, yeah? But we've got the sword of the spirit, yeah, which is the word of God. 
What's the word? Better still, who is the word? Jesus. So if Jesus is the word, the sword of the spirit, when we're wielding Jesus, yeah, because he's the sword, do you think Jesus is trying to draw blood? Think about it. Do you really think that Jesus is trying to draw blood when everything about him is birthed and fueled out of love? How can, how can we hold a sword that's Jesus and use it in a way to draw blood from people and to get a reaction when everything about him is love? Everything about him is love. While we were still sinners, he died for everything about him is love. Yeah? There, there is nothing in him that says, ha, I know what to do. If I can cut this limb off Mel, she'll follow me better. How many of us have been guilty of using the sword of the Spirit? Because, again, we've taken God's language and applied the world's meaning. Because what, what does it say about the Word of God? It cuts like a... Double-edged sword, through to bone and marrow. So we think the word of God. Let me just grab it for a minute. You can't speak like that. You're a Christian. Do you know what the words? You're a smoker. You can't. Do you know what? The, you know what it says about being the temple of the Holy Ghost? And we start throwing the word, yeah, the word around. Not showing love because we're using it as a sword because we've taken the language of God and applied the meaning of the world and we're trying to make it work for us and we wonder why people go, I want to come to your church. I want to go with you. Mate, all you do is judge. Yeah? Maybe, just maybe. (laughs) When we're facing our giants, we invite him into that space. Because if he is, if we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and the word of God is Jesus, maybe the sword is all about inviting Jesus into that battle. Yeah? Maybe it's all about praying to him. Maybe it's about introducing him to the giants that we're facing to the best of our ability, not trying to draw blood, but to show love. Because everything he does is birth and fuel out of love. Am I making some sense? He prunes and cuts us to make us more into the image of his son. So now when we live and act and breathe, we live and act and breathe more like his son Jesus. And now he gives us armour that only fits us. It only fits us. It makes no sense to the world. How can you be so loving? How can you speak like that? I I mean, I would have been so angry. It's true. I understand that you would have been, and I would have been too. But what I've learned is I've picked up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, which is my Saviour Jesus, and everything about him is love. And when he spoke into my heart about my life, when I was separated from him, He spoke loving words. In fact, he sacrificed his life for me so that I could come to him. So I understand now when I wield his sword, it's a sword of love. Yeah, it's not a sword that's trying to draw blood. You know, we have so, I just, I'm going to make this sweeping statement. We have so in Christendom mistaken what the armour of God's about because of all the movies that we watch, because of the books that we read, because of the plays, because of society. We think battle, we think fight. 
And so we have scriptures that says that our fight's not against flesh and blood. You know, we've, we've, the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal. We've got this godly language that we've applied the world's meaning to. What about the belt of truth? <laughs> Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. When I think about belt, I think about one thing. I think about it going around my pants. Right? And I think about it keeping my pants up. Look, I just do. See, when you get to be, when you get to be my size, you have, a, you have a couple of predicaments that are happening, right? And I, I apologise now for any visual pictures that you may have. But there is a delete button on the back wall as you walk out. If you press it, that image will just be gone. When I lose weight, if I keep my belt on the same hole, my pants fall because I lose weight. So the belt, I've got to go tighter so I can keep my pants up. When I put on weight, there's a part of me that gets a little bit larger and it causes the belt to slip underneath, thus causing my pants to fall again. And so the belt has to go tighter to keep my pants up. All in all, though, when my pants are up, the picture I have is of me standing. And that's probably why, amen for that. And that's probably why the verse starts with, stand firm then, stand firm then. Because it's a belt of truth that's wrapped around our waist, yeah? So here we go. Here's another million dollar question. Because we want to use the truth to tell people, I'm not going to do that. I'm a Christian. No way in the world. I'm standing on the word of God. Thank you very much, yeah? What's the truth? Better still, who is the truth? I'm the way, the truth. Yeah? And the Lord. Are you telling me that we've now not only used the sword incorrectly, are you suggesting that we've used the belt of truth wrong because we wanted to show the truth to people, to show them how wrong they were living life? But instead, what we were supposed to be showing in the belt of truth was Jesus. I mean, I could go on and on. What about the breastplate of righteousness? Yeah? What's it cover? It covers your heart. The Bible says that we've got to guard our heart. So we put worldly meaning on guarding our heart. We keep people out. We keep them at an arm's distance. Oh, who is our righteousness? Jesus. So when stuff comes against us that's affecting and shooting and hurting our hearts, what do we have to do? Amen. We invite Jesus into that space because the armour of God does not work like man's armour. We're not made that way. Why don't we stand? Stand, 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 stand. It's an invitation for us, for you and I, to be all that we can be. We've been pruning, we've been cutting. God's made us smaller so that the armour of God will fit us. Yeah? Because when we were carnal when we were who we were god had to just trim some stuff up so that we could fit into his armor and the enemy knowing that goes all right my goodness they're being transformed into the image of jesus what will i do i know my minions i'll get the world's meanings of stuff and i'll put it to god's language and that'll stuff them up in the western world no Everything about the armour of God is about Jesus. Everything about the armour of God is love, birth and fueled out of. 
Everything is about how we conduct ourselves, how we deal with people, how we deal with issues. Yeah, when we were singing those songs this morning about he is good, it's about an invitation of coming into a place that regardless of what's happening, I know I've got an armour that protects me because Jesus is all around me. I put on the helmet of my salvation so when the thoughts come, you can't be saved, not the way you speak, the way that you live, the bad jokes that you tell, you're not very good. All of that stuff, it's like, no, no, hold on. Salvation comes from Jesus alone. I'm not going to listen to that. I've got my helmet on. You're trying to get to my heart. You can't get to my heart. God's deposited in my heart. And in fact, I don't have to keep people out. He's protecting me. I'm wearing him like a breastplate. And the truth, the truth isn't to, to, to condemn you. The truth is to love you because I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And I want to bring you back home to the Father, to family. And you know what? So you're going to have a go at me. Let me pull out my sword and let me show you how loving God is. Not to pull you down, but to lift you up. Not to condemn you, but to encourage you. Not to discourage you, but to show you how valuable you are. It's a whole nother playing field. Now doing battle in God's armour, we are the children of God. We are seated in heavenly places. We are being transformed into his likeness daily with ever-increasing glory. Why don't we all just close our eyes for a moment. And I want to pray. So everything about this Christmas season is a reminder of him. Everything about this Christmas season is a reminder that Jesus came to make a way possible for us to have a relationship with him. Everything about this season is showing us how vulnerable God was to make it possible for us to be in his family. And in fact, no smaller package could have come into the world. Yeah. And yet he is Jesus, warrior, king. And Saul's armour wasn't going to fit him either. Yeah. He came as a baby. So I just believe that for some of us, some of us here today, there just needs to be a shift in our mindset. We need to realise that there's an enemy that wants to rob us of our faith that's taken some of the, some of the beautiful, inspiring language of God and has placed the world's meaning on it. We need to understand what God's saying when he's speaking to us. Because when we understand how Father speaks to us, we understand how to operate. We understand what to do. We understand who to turn to. We understand who we are because of whose we are. We're not in a, a fight where we're, we're there with a, a sword cutting things asunder. We're bringing love to the unlovely. Yeah. Even in our prayers... It's not about condemning what's there. It's about inviting God into that space. I don't even need to know the enemy that I fight. I just need to know the God that I fight for. Yeah? I just need to invite love into that space because it was love that conquers all. You can have faith, you can have hope, and all of those are great, but the greatest of these is love, yeah? So, Father, in this place right now, if you're... Whoever you are, not worrying about who's beside you, in front of you. I'm just, I want to ask a simple question. If you know you need to start wearing the armour of God, but not like Saul's armour, not like the ways of man, but you want to start to wear the armour of God and wear it the way that God intended, 
I'm asking you to step out in faith and just raise your hand and say, Lord, that's me. So if that's you, if you want to start wearing the armour of God the way that he intended, to fight the battle the way he intended you to fight, just put up your hand and say, God, that's me. No one's going to look at you. I myself have got my eyes closed. This is all about you. I've got enough issues of my own in my own walk. I don't have to worry about yours. (laughs) There's enough problems going on up here, let alone what's out there. So, Father, right now, you saw every hand that was raised. Lord, you know every heart that was moved. Father, you know the struggles that some people are having. Lord, you know the victories that some have passed through. But all in all, Lord God, I pray that you would take, Lord, what has been a a very wise attack of the enemy. And, Lord, you replace the meanings, Lord, Lord, the meanings, what we've come to know, what we've come to understand, I pray, God, that we would look at your language, the way that you speak to us, and, Father, that you would bring revelation, that you would bring fresh manna, Father, that you would bring something that we can eat on, not something that we've heard from a third party, Father, that we would be stronger, that we would be fashioned more into the image of your son that we would do battle like david not wearing saul's armor but running knowing that you are with us lord that we would pick up the weapons of your warfare lord jesus not the weapons of the world your warfare lord and do warfare the way that you would and lord god even the word warfare sounds like like a battle and a strain but lord god i know in you that it works different So, Father, in this place, Lord, we step up and we say, we want that. We want more of you. We want people to discover that, experience that, feel that. We want people to be filled by that, fueled by that, birthed by that. Because we know, Lord, in the place that we're saved and whatever saves us, Lord, that's the very thing that's going to keep us. And, Lord, I want to be saved by your love, kept by your love, grown, Lord, by your love. So, Father, I pray that you would take this word, you would allow it to germinate, Lord, give it some strength, some roots to go down deep, that we would truly, Lord, with every every moment, with every breath, that we would be more and more like your son Jesus, that even next week, as people walk into this place, Lord, that they would share a testimony of victory, Lord, just because of the way things have shifted in their minds and hearts, because of the revelation that you've brought to them today. So I thank you, Lord, as a church, as a people, as a family, we give you all the glory and all the honour. And everybody said... Amen.